DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. Father Trainer serves as the rector of St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. He has been an instructor and spiritual director for many of the programs at the Institute for Priestly Formation. He is a retreat master and spiritual director who has traveled the country as a speaker for various conferences, diocesan gatherings, and national conferences. He is the author of The Parish as a School of Prayer, Foundation for the New Evangelization, on which this series is based. The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Scott, thank you so much once again for being with us. Well, it's just a joy to be spending this time with you, Chris. Thank you. In our discussions in this school of prayer you're leading us in, we spoke of that importance of communion and communication with God, being open, receiving. And in the previous episode, you spoke of how suffering can be a block but it doesn't have to be. It can actually be a, a time of great uniting. Can you talk to us about a type of suffering we may not even realize is there that kind of it's maybe the one of the biggest wedges, and that is fear? Sure. In the heart... Um, if I'm if I'm talking about the heart or my interior life, my interior life is made up of three sorts of things: thoughts, feelings, and desires. And those thoughts, feelings, and desires are either attached to what's going on right now, my present experience, or to remembered experience. Right. Mm-hmm. So I remember the other day uh, this time when I was in uh, either kindergarten or first grade, and my dad took me to a Vikings game. Right. So he used to split. Uh, season tickets with some guys from work and so we all through my childhood go to a game or two each season with the Vikings right well this is when they were still outside at the old Mets stadium Hmm. and it was a bitter cold day (laughs) and I remember my dad asking me like why you it was the first time I was going to the to the Vikings game are you sure you want to go it's gonna be really really cold like oh yeah I want to go I want to go and so I talked him into it and uh we went, and it was cold. It was cold. But uh, at halftime, my dad says, hey, you want me to get you some hot chocolate? I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> thank you. Poor guy, he disappears for all of halftime and, like, the entire third quarter, right? He had scoured Met Stadium looking for a hot chocolate guy, right? And he came back, and he had actually gotten some coffee and put some, a bunch of cream and sugar in it and uh, said, oh, here you go. It was a little bit of a shock because he didn't say, oh, this is coffee, it'll taste different. But <laughs> but I this memory came back to me the other day, and I was filled with gratitude to my dad. I mean, God bless him, right? Like, mm-hmm. first of all, uh, agreeing to take me to the game because I, I had my heart set on it. And <laughs> secondly, uh, just to spend all this time just to try to find me some hot chocolate. And I was thinking, wow, you know, it was a great expression of my dad's love for me. Well, that experience of love is accompanied by gratitude. Every authentic experience of love is accompanied by gratitude. And so that gratitude was filling my heart. It was a gratitude that was attached to a remembered experience. 
but it was present to me the other day, okay? Around experiences of unlove, which always do damage to us, there is always an experience of fear, right? So if you think of a wound, a wound is an experience of unlove. We are made by love and for love. When we are treated in a way that is contrary to love, it does damage to us. And that damage is painful. And around that pain is fear and a fear of more pain. You with me on this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact opposite of the experience of a blessing, which is an experience of love, which is instead of being painful, is delightful. And instead of being surrounded by fears, surrounded by gratitude. So those two things stand in clear opposition to each other. So of all the thoughts, feelings, and desires in my heart, I want to pay a special attention to fear and gratitude. They are like master affects in the human heart. Anywhere there's fear, behind the fear is some pain of some sort, and behind that is an experience of not being loved the way we're meant to be loved. So it's always important to pay attention to fear, and it's always important to pay attention to gratitude. Because behind it is the delight that comes from an experience of being loved, a a, a real encounter with love. So fear and gratitude are master affects in our hearts day by day. So um, a person who is carrying this hidden burden of fear, there is behind that fear woundedness that God in his love and mercy wants to move into and heal. Everywhere we see Jesus in the Gospels, when people encounter Jesus, they are healed. It's related to this truth that perfect love, the love of God, casts out all fear because perfect love heals and supplies for the unlove and the pain that's caused by that unlove in any woundedness that we have. Perfect love heals all wounds, and so we don't have to guard ourselves in a fearful stance against further pain. Right? And again, this is, a, this is true. It's true of every person, but it's a, a truth worth dwelling on. Um, if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the wedding reading, right? Mm-hmm. That beautiful descriptive definition of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't brood over injuries. It's not self-seeking, right? All that beautiful description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Or if you look at uh, Galatians 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 22, where St. Paul talks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is the communion of love of the Father and the Son. Uh, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, understanding, and self-control. This is how we're meant to be treated. So when we think of the great commandment, right? Love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. We can easily think of like, oh yeah, uh, I fail to love my neighbor in all these ways. I fail to love God in all these ways. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of the logic of the great commandment is that God has create, commanded every human being to love you as he loves you. You know, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Another expression of the great commandment. Every person on the face of the earth is commanded by God to love me as God loves me. So to treat me with joy and peace and patience and kindness. And, and when that doesn't happen, which is like all the time, mm-hmm. there's a wound there that's going to be painful. And it might just be like a little paper cut. And sometimes it might be like an amputation. You know, different degrees of woundedness there. But there is a wound. 
And if the love of God doesn't come into that wound and supply for what was lacking in love in my human relationships, it's going to start to fester and fear will grow and that burden of that wound will remain. Well, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Learn from me, for I'm meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. He's talking about a release of this burden. And one of the ways, there's a lot of ways, a lot, a lot of richness in that, but one facet of that relief is Jesus' desire to heal us of everything that has caused us any sort of pain any sort of suffering in our life, and to drive out fear. There should be no fear in the heart that is completely penetrated by the love of God, where I've invited God into every fear that I have, because his love drives out fear. So when it comes to fear or any other form of suffering that results from, in fact, our not being loved the way we're created to be loved, God only wants to do one of two things with that suffering. He either wants to eliminate it because he heals it or in the midst of that suffering, he wants to draw us into such union with himself that I would gladly suffer whatever I'm suffering a thousand times over for the beauty and the power and the sweetness of the union with God that I'm experiencing in the midst of that. And this is not uh, only for, you know, saints from the 13th century. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of us have been touched by people, say, with cancer in our lives. We all have family members and dear friends who have been afflicted by cancer. As a priest, visiting people in the hospital, being with them through the process of the disease and sometimes as they're dying, you know, uh, I'll hear some people say and refer to their cancer as their friend. This cancer was a great blessing to me in my life. How can you say that? Well, we were talking last time about rejoice always. I say it again, rejoice. But what they're expressing is they're realizing something has happened in their life with God that they perceive would not have happened apart from allowing God to be with them in the midst of this, the suffering of this disease. And for the sake, not for the cancer's own sake, but for the sake of the goodness and growing intimacy with God that they've experienced that is preparing them for death. They are grateful. They're grateful. They would happily have gone through the cancer again and again for the sake of the blessing that God had for them in the midst of it. And that's beautiful and mysterious to behold. So anytime we're aware, it's good to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, show me any place in my heart that you want to heal or any place where I'm carrying fear, which is always going to surround wounds in our life. And we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to go digging after it ourselves. But ask the Holy Spirit, is there any fear you want to touch in my heart and relieve me of? Is there any woundedness in my life that you want to move into with the healing power of your love? And if something comes to mind, uh, it might be something that happened today. It might be something that happened 30 years ago and you haven't thought about in years. And you're like, oh, I, you know, I moved past that. I don't want to dig that up again. Nope. Let the Holy Spirit bring it up. And if he does, this is what you do. Tell God all about it. Tell them about what you remember, what comes up in your heart, just as it is, and all the thoughts and feelings and desires that surround that painful experience or that that accompany that fear. Tell God all about it 
And then ask God in that moment or in that situation, God, will you reveal from this memory that came out from 30 years ago, your presence with me in that moment 30 years ago and your love for me in that moment 30 years ago. So let yourself remember fully, tell God all about whatever accompanies that memory, and then ask God to reveal his presence and his love for you and with you in that moment. In this sense, healing that comes from the love of God is not a matter of letting go or moving past or leaving in the past whatever was hurtful. It's not like getting past this reality. It's actually entering more fully into the reality. Because 30 years ago, when I was hurt in this way, and I'm still carrying the hurt of that and some fear around that, 30 years ago, I might not have known that God was with me in that moment. I might not have known how to cry out to him in the pain of that. But I've come to a place in my life where now I do. Thanks be to God. And the grace that God had for me that is healing and dispels all fear is never withdrawn. And it's available for me to receive now, today, 30 years later. But it has to be revealed in my heart. And again, God, our, our part in the relationship is to ask, to ask and to knock so as to receive. And so God, here's this memory. Tell you all about it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Please, God, reveal your love with me and your presence with me. And trust me, we'll know when we receive that grace. And when we do, a burden is lifted and fear is dispelled. And it's beautiful. The most crippling fear from that, even if you take it to that moment, is being too fearful to ask God, why did you let it happen? Because mm-hmm. we're afraid, ultimately, mm-hmm. that you, don't love, you didn't love me enough. Why did you let that happen? Mm-hmm. Right. So we know theologically, I'm going to start with this and then go from there. Theologically, all suffering of whatever form, is within divine providence. It's God doesn't will anyone to suffer. He doesn't inflict suffering, mm-hmm. but he permits it. So this mysterious thing about God's permissive will. But God only permits suffering in view of a greater good, a surpassing good that he wants, that he will bring about in the face of that suffering. So the intimacy with himself, saving faith in him, that comes alive in a person's heart as they're going through cancer. Cancer is an awful thing. God doesn't afflict people with cancer. He doesn't want people to suffer with cancer. But his love conquers overwhelming in the face of all things, including cancer. And he will permit that suffering in view of the greater good, the everlasting good that he in his love can bring about it from it. Okay? So that's the theological truth of God in the face of suffering. And itself takes a lot of grappling with. But there, the fear that you're describing is real. God, why did you let this happen to me? And let God show you. Let God show you the surpassing good for which he permitted, didn't inflict, but permitted this suffering in your life. And if I didn't receive it 30 years ago, it's still available to me today. Right? So take him up on it. He's taught us this about himself. That there's always his love will conquer overwhelmingly in the face of every suffering. And that he only permits suffering for in view of a greater good. So good. Let him show you. And the way to enter into receiving that greater good, which will always be there, 
is by entrusting to him the whole experience of the hurt, of the thing that's causing the fear, whatever I suffered, to entrust it to him and ask for this revelation of his love. And I've never met people who, in receiving this grace, are left with the question of why. Mm-hmm. It's like that question is not, they're just contented and rejoicing in the surpassing goodness that God has brought about in the face of the suffering where they may have lived with years for that daunting question, why God did this happen? We've spoken previously about the importance of family Mm. in helping us to appreciate the great love as that example, that microcosm of potentially the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up now is that when we talk about fear which also may be on the flip of that a, a lack of trust. We're just we. I can't trust you, God. That if I give you this, if mm-hmm. I can, I trust you. So many families are broken mm-hmm. now for not generation upon generation upon generation now mm-hmm. that there is never been the experience of that total trust. Yeah. Oh, this is a huge factor, a huge truth that you're you're touching on. Trust is part of hope, faith, hope, and love, right? So faith, hope, and love are the theological virtues, gifts or powers that we are given on the day of our baptism. So just really quickly, you know, faith is the power or the capacity to know God and to know that what he says is true. This is how the catechism describes these pillars of faith, hope, and love. Uh, Love is the capacity or the power to recognize the goodness, truth, and beauty of God and to respond to his goodness, truth, and beauty with a free, total, faithful gift of myself. Hope. Hope has has its two pillars. First of all, desire of the kingdom of God as my greatest good. So to desire my growing intimacy with God, my union with God as the greatest good in my life. And secondly, and interestingly on our point, to trust in God's strength and not my own. So in fact, when uh, in our family relationships or other important relationships in our life, uh, fate or trust, natural trust has been attacked. Of course, that's a stumbling block to trusting God. The family is the icon of God. The relationships and dynamics there really inform what I think and my image of God. Absolutely. From the time when I'm born, right? And so if there's been brokenness in the family and uh, trust, natural trust has been difficult or betrayed and things like that, of course that's going to impact my relationship with God. So if I recognize that pattern in my life or if I'm holding on to something because when we don't invite the love of God for healing of things that are causing us pain and fear, um, we find other ways to manage it. We spend a lot of time and energy coping and managing, trying to keep that thing contained, to put a lid on it and just move on the best we can. Well, God wants something much more for us. He actually wants to set us free from that burden, as we talked about before. So, but it does require trust, mm-hmm. you know, and there can be a huge fear like, you know, I've done everything to try and manage this and deal with this, but I haven't just entrusted the whole thing to God. 
But that's always like a card I have in my back pocket. Like I'm doing pretty well in my life. You know, I'm, I'm doing all right. Just kind of, I've moved past this. I'm doing the best I can. And uh, so there's always that wild card. Like if worse comes to worse, I can then finally always call it to God. But the fear is, of course, what if I call it to God and nothing happens? Mm-hmm. Then where do I go? Now what? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a terrible, real, and ter- terrifying prayer, uh, fear, fear. So the first remedy is, God, increase my hope. Help me to trust in you. Get, that's That ability to trust God is itself a gift from God, and it's a gift that we name as hope, right? And realizing that, God, I need to trust in your strength and not my own. I need to trust in your desire and capacity to heal and remedy this in my heart and not trust in my own ability just to manage it because this woundedness and the fear and the lack of trust that's around it around it is actually getting in the way of my intimacy with you, which is my greatest good. So those two pillars of hope, they, they're closely related to each other and I recognize this is an obstacle. God, help me to trust you want to eliminate this obstacle completely. So praying for the gift of hope and then making acts of hope. You know, in any mm-hmm. little Catholic prayer booklet, you know, you always find acts of faith, hope, and charity or faith, hope, and love. And to pray those, like, you know, make an act of hope. Uh, Jesus, I trust in you. I, why is that the motto at the bottom of the divine mercy. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Divine love poured out on misery. That's what mercy is. Jesus, I trust in you. The ability to trust God opens up the floodgates of mercy. The experience of mercy increases my trust. They're intimately connected to each other. Well, we've covered so much territory in this particular conversation. What would you have in closing then, Father Scott, for that student out there in Mm -hmm. in this school of prayer? Well, this is a little uh, kind of banking off of St. Paul's uh, great advice in prayer in Philippians chapter 4. But I think a great help for people is to do what Grandma said and count our blessings. Okay, And, you know, how have I experienced God's goodness to me, his blessing, his grace? Because that uh, conscious calling to mind, reflecting on, fixing my attention on the blessings, the goodness of God that I've experienced in my life really bolsters trust. And basically, as we grow in the experience of God's love, our heart's capacity to receive that love is growing. God loves us from the inside out. And what happens is God's love expands from the depths of our heart outward. It bumps into these places in my life that need to receive that love, right? So if I have a really hurtful thing in my past or a series of relationships that have been painful, uh, as the love of God starts to grow in my heart, I might not be able to entrust that to him. I might be really hindered by this fear that surrounds those painful experiences. But as the love of God grows, God is very gentle and wise and touching on things in my heart that need to receive his love. Because as I experience his love more, my trust grows more, and then I can really open up those experiences to him. So to take time to count my blessings and to express my gratitude to God for the ways that he's blessed me. 
It's a great way to grow in trust, which is part of hope, and uh, to receive even more of God's love more deeply in my heart, which will eventually start to bump into, in God's holy ordering, other stuff in my life that needs to receive even more of his love. And it's kind of a great adventure of a release of burdens in growing love and trust that brings me to life and life to the full. I've come that you might have life and life to the full. I tell you these things so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. So Jesus, help us to uh, count our blessings so that we may believe the great and precious promises that you've given to us. Amen. Amen. And Father Scott, would you say just as a kind of a footnote to this, that if that lack of trust has been a barrier mm-hmm. and that fear has been a, that wedge, mm-hmm. is it helpful to go to a sacrament of healing like reconciliation mm-hmm. to be able to renounce that and to give that over? Yes. And maybe this is something we can talk about more at length. Uh, but these keys in spiritual freedom, sometimes around the only thing that can stand in the way of God's healing will in our life is unforgiveness. So it's very important uh, when people have failed to love us the way we're meant to be loved and therefore caused us pain, which gives rise to this fear and hinders trust, right? Uh, to first of all, make an act of forgiveness. And that's okay if you don't feel like it. Uh, Jesus, who lives in you, you, you baptized person, uh, has forgiven and is powerful to forgive. So Jesus, in your holy name, I forgive my spouse for when they, whatever it is, I forgive my child for when they forgive my boss, I forgive my track coach, or I forgive whoever needs it, whoever is, needs to be forgiven. Jesus, in your holy name, I forgive them for, and then what is it? Be particular when you pray a prayer of forgiveness. That, then you know, even if it's still hurtful for you, even if you're still resentful, right? As long as we're not, like, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is saying, this person owes me a debt, and I freely choose not to demand payment of that debt. Mm -hmm. Usually because I realize, either I realize with gratitude that I've been forgiven, so I'm going to love others as I've been loved, or also just in the realization, like, look, There's no way this person can make this up to me. And so I have a choice. I can either just continue to stew in that resentment and hurt and anger and whatever unforgiveness, or I can trust that the love of God is going to make up for and supply for whatever was damaged and taken away by this act of unlove. And so I'm going to freely choose to not demand payment for someone who cannot possibly pay. So if you think of the parables of forgiveness that Jesus offers in the gospel, huge sums can never be repaid. The master says, I forgive you. I will not demand payment of this debt. And I can do that, uh, which doesn't mean, however, that the healing is immediately going to happen. Forgiveness is the first necessary step on the path of healing. Healing will not move forward if I'm in unforgiveness. Uh, when I forgive, I may still be hurt, but that's not a sign that I need to forgive because uh, I've already forgiven. And it's a sign that the love of God needs to come to bring healing. And um, 
so a lot of people are worried about that. You know, like, oh, I'm still angry at this person, although I've forgiven them, so I probably didn't forgive them. No, no, you forgave them. Now, if I'm angry and then I'm taking it out on them because we can exact payment in a thousand and one creative ways in our life, you know, mm -hmm. ignoring the person, being mean to the person, gossiping about the person, rolling our eyes at the person, ignoring the person, whatever. Uh, we're really good at that. We're really creative at that. Uh, but if, honestly, before God, I'm not, like, I'm still hurt, but I'm not exacting payment because of that hurt from the person that's there's no unforgiveness that's there right and there's just a need for greater healing so that uh to offer forgiveness uh and then to ask for the healing love of god to come into the situation that needs healing are are the keys there and yes the sacrament of reconciliation can be a tremendous moment of doing that uh for sure and other just praying with uh, faith-filled friends for God's healing. You know, we can encourage and help each other in those necessary prayers of forgiving in Jesus' name and then asking the love of God to come into the memory or moment or relationship that's in need of that healing. Thank you so much, Father Scott. Uh, you're welcome. You've been listening to The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join us next time for The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. <laughs>